It's just one of the many projects that we'll be a part of in 2020 as we ask God to use us to bring life change to the nations. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm watching as the world around us shifts and changes, and for some of us, it's harder than others to keep up with the shifts and changes that are happening in our world. For some of us, we get very frustrated with things that have, like change is difficult and it's hard and we don't do well with it. And so we get super frustrated when someone presses on us to behave differently than we historically have behaved or use language differently than we've historically used or to open our minds to think perhaps somebody else has feelings, emotions that are different than mine. And it can be a difficult situation, right? And especially when we have stuff in our lives that hurt us, and it might be recent hurts, or it might be hurts from a long, long time ago. And so what happens is, is those hurts tend to show up. And they tend to show up in our conversations. They tend to show up in the way that we behave. They show up in the way that we talk to people. And this thing that happens time and time and time again, and I'm, I'm watching it, I mean, I'm a student of culture, I like to see what's happening, I like to pay attention to what's happening around us, and there's this thing that's going on, and in this teaching series for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about it a little bit. This teaching series is called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt, because God calls us to love. First John says it like this, beloved, let us love one another. Love comes from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But he or she who does not love does not know God for God is love. And one of the key things that I'm watching happening in church communities around the nation as I'm partnering through our network and some of the other pastors that are planting churches that I'm coaching, that I'm helping and I'm watching is that our congregations are losing sight of what it means to love like Jesus. And instead we're, love, we're loving people like a bunch of hurt people. And the reason is, is because we are a bunch of hurt people. We all have hurts habits and hangups that keep us stuck in the past and they're preventing us from accomplishing the dreams that God has for us in the future. And one of the first things, and we're going to talk about it this week, one of the first things that happens to us is we become easily offended. Do me a favor, everybody say, I'm offended. I'm offended. Right? Now you might not use that word to describe how you feel because you might use that word um, and you might think of it as, well, someone who's easily offended is weak and they're not like me. Um, and you even have like in the political arena, it's very polarized. And so because it's polarized, we have a, a particular political, political party right now that is being accused of being easily offended. And then you have another political party that's ac accusing them of being like easily offended when in reality, that's they're offended. That's why they're accusing them of being offended, right? There's this, like, anybody has seen any of the, like, Facebook and Instagram and even TikTok banter back and forth where young men and women are saying, okay, boomer, right? And so they're making fun of the older generation for not quite understanding what's happening in the younger generation. And so whenever time the older generation calls them out on something, they go, okay, boomer, right? And so it's like a thing that's happening right now. And then I saw an article where this guy tried to say that calling someone a boomer was offensive hate speech, right? Well, that's what a boomer would say, right? 
it's interesting when you think about it. Like it's just a, a word to describe a generation. All of us that are Gen Xers or boomers and older, we love to throw that word millennial around. They don't like being called millennials, but we love to throw that word around. But when they call us by our name, we're offended. Interesting, isn't it? I had an, a coworker uh, about six, eight years ago. We didn't see the world the same. We didn't see things eye to eye. And that coworker told me that I was a toxic person. I was really shocked by that statement. It was like an intense thing to say to someone, right? To call someone a toxic person. And I was like, hey, um, like I'm trying to hear what you're saying. I'm trying to understand what you're trying to communicate to me that you feel the way I'm behaving right now is not like a healthy environment for us to grow as an organization. But I just wanted to point out you calling me toxic is about the most toxic thing that happened today. Because what I'm hearing now is that everybody gets to have an opinion except for me. And everybody's opinion's okay except for mine. And so by you calling me toxic, you're making the work environment more toxic. Now, I'm gonna give you guys some like dis disclosures and provisos before we continue this message, okay? This message is about you and I dealing with the offenses that are happening in our lives today and way back in our past that are keeping us from accomplishing the plans and the dreams that God has in store for us. This is not a way for you to be offensive in Jesus' name. Did you hear me? That's number one. Number two, I'm going to say something today that will offend the majority of you in this room. So do it right now and just say, I'm offended. Okay? Say it again like you mean it. I'm offended. Now say this, but I'm trying to get over it. Offense is a normal emotion and reaction. Being offended isn't a bad thing. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, and this is from the Berean Study Bible, just like a uh, heads up for you guys, lately I've been reading for personal pleasure out of multi, multiple different translations of the Bible, mostly because the Bible on my phone has thousands of translations, so if you haven't downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, I challenge you to do so. And I read the Bible, not only for my own personal edification, but professionally I read the Bible. Now, again, the Bible is a wellspring of knowledge and information that's like changing but part of my is my issue is when I read the Bible you know I have to get a new preaching Bible every couple of years because I highlight my Bible so much when I'm teaching that I can't really preach that passage again in a new way unless I get a new Bible and highlight it different right so I'm always trying to change it up make it fresh make it alive make sure that I'm not just preaching the word of God for you but I'm letting the word of God devastate my heart so that I can do something powerful in your heart and one of the ways that I do that is by looking at different translations and I'm gonna be honest with you there's gonna be a season in our lives for this next few weeks especially where you're gonna see a lot different translations pop up right and so you're gonna be like what's the BSB I'll try to share it with you as much as possible this is the Berean study Bible um, it's a amazing. I love it. I read it. It jumps out at me. It comes alive. We're going to pop all over the place this next three weeks with a few different translations. Some of you are offended that I'm not using the King James. Deal with it and get over it. Okay. Listen to what it says about offense. An offended brother, and you could insert the word sister there if you're offended by that. An offended brother 
is more unyielding than a fortified city. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. If you're not careful, the offenses that have happened in your life will turn into a fence that surrounds you and separates you from all of the people that you're supposed to be loving, serving, and caring for, having relationship with, doing life with, experiencing life change with. This is what the passage is saying if we were to translate it into really common modern day English, right? That when someone gets offended, they can't see your perspective any longer. An offense is, makes someone so unyielding, they're like a brick wall that blocks out everyone else. And when a dispute happens, it locks you inside a prison of your own design. Isn't that what it's saying? And so you have to be careful when it comes to the level of offense that you allow to shape you because when you allow offense to shape you, that offense makes you into who you're supposed to be. And as Christ followers, we're wanting, because of who we believe in, it changes who we're becoming, right? It should change how we behave. And if you're not careful, the offenses in your life will keep you from accomplishing the dreams that God has in store for you. So even though we're offended, and that's okay, we're gonna work hard to quickly get over our offense so that we can become There's the three easy steps to getting to offended by it. Now, last week, I talked to you guys a little bit about some of the podcasts that I like to watch uh, and listen to. And I told you one of my podcasts was, uh, that I listened to semi-regularly was the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, I didn't get hate mail, but I definitely got some dirty looks and a couple people talked to me about how offense, off- offended they were that I listened to Joe Rogan. Um, listen, here's the thing, you ready? I'm not pretending to be perfect. I'm not pretending to be anything other than authentic and real. Um, I guarantee you that if I haven't offended you yet, it's just a matter of time and I will offend you. I have a significant sarcastic bone in my body. Um, I believe sarcasm is a spiritual gift, right? You're not gonna find it on a spiritual gifts test, but I'm gonna tell you, I've used sarcasm to change the lives of many people, right? I mean, this is just who I am as a default. Matthew, come here, come here. This is my friend, Matthew. Come up here, all the way up, because down there you make me feel short. Um, This is my friend, Matthew. Um, Today is your birthday, right? How many years? Three. Three, right? Three years, right? Sober birthday, and my first... I'm proud of you. Now again, I'm gonna tell you something right now. You're not gonna like the next thing I'm gonna say because the first thing I wanted to say when I found out it was Matthew's sober birthday was let's celebrate, I'll buy you a beer. Because that's how messed up I am, right? (laughs) I'm proud of you, buddy. Keep it up, man. Mm, Good man. But we have a relationship so we can talk to each other like that. Because he knows my heart and he knows that I would never take him to do anything like that because I'm super proud of the man he is becoming and and the leader and the father and hopefully soon to be husband that he is becoming. No pressure. (laughs) But some of us take our position 
as Christ followers, as leaders, we take our privilege and we use it to, instead of build others up, push them down. And if you're using sarcasm to tear someone down, it's not your spiritual gift. But if you're using sarcasm to have fun while you celebrate someone that you're super proud of, then by all means, go for it. But you better know the difference. Now, some of you are offended that I made that joke because this is serious and you shouldn't joke about stuff like that. Look, I'm gonna joke about everything because it's how I hold back the tears. Right? It's who I am and I'm just gonna be honest and authentic about what God's doing for you. And if you let the little things like your neighbor voted for someone different than you or they have a bumper sticker that you don't like or you can't believe that you, your sister let her kids read the Harry Potter books, get over it. Right? You're gonna carry some of that stuff with you for so long and then what's gonna happen is you're gonna start to build a fence around your life that's going to keep everyone else out and it's going to trap you in. A lifestyle of offense is a lonely lifestyle. It's not what Jesus calls us to. There's three easy steps to getting offended by anything. Step one, listen to what someone says and then selflessly make it all about you by taking it personally, even if it has nothing to do with you. I really want you to have a great life. You're assuming my life isn't good enough the way it is? How dare you? Step two, you wanna create a large amount of tension inside your body. You really wanna concentrate on bringing the tension to your stomach, your chest, and your face. How are you doing today, JP? I'm offended that you would have to ask. Step three, now project outrage onto the other person. This will make it seem like you're getting rid of the tension inside your body, but it actually drives it down deeper inside you. And because it stays there, it'll make it even easier for you to get offended next time. I'm offended that you would wear that shirt. I'm actually a little offended by that. I'm offended that you're offended by that. Since I've learned how to get offended, I bring huge amounts of joy to everyone in my life. People feel like they're free to just be themselves when they're around me. I'm just happy I can make such a big difference in the world. I'm not saying that you being offended by something I say or do is wrong. What I am saying is this, I believe with all of my heart that the calling that God has in store for you, the calling that is ahead of you is greater than the offense that is behind you. And if you wanna love like you've never been hurt, you have to let go of those moments that hurt you in the past that keep you anchored in the past. If you want the fullness that God has for you in your future, you're gonna have to let go of that moment in the past. And one of the easiest ways for Satan, the evil one, the tempter, the enemy, whatever word you like to describe him as, right? One of the easiest ways is for him to distract you with something that isn't as big of a deal as what God has in store for you. I believe with all of my heart, every fiber of my being, that God has plans and purposes for you that are bigger than the plans that you have for yourself. His plans, his dreams, his schemes for your life are huge. You can't even fathom how big they are and what he's going to do in and through you. But if the devil can get you stuck in offense based off of the language that someone else uses, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying the language they're using is okay. But if you can get stuck 
then, right, he wins. Now, I told you already, I gave you a disclosure, I'm sort of devious and a little bit sarcastic, a lot bit sarcastic, and sometimes I'm a little bit, I don't know, ornery is maybe the right word to describe it. So I did a social experiment this weekend, and if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you most likely participated. Yes! I posted a picture of two gophers that I recently killed at my house. Now, there are a few different types of people in the room right now. Um, You can raise your hand if you want to participate. If you don't want to participate, that's okay as well. Um, How many of you guys, if you have gophers in your yard and by any means necessary, believe that they need to be eradicated because they're a tool of Satan? Raise your hand nice and high. Yes, you are my people. Now, yep, now there are some of you who are like, you're okay with me killing gophers, but you don't want to see it. How many of you, that's you, right? That's just icky. Why would you post a picture like that? I showed my wife the picture. She goes, babe, why did you post that? So many people are going to be mad at you. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) Right? Right? I know. And then there are people, and and like, listen, it's okay that you're this person. In fact, I celebrate the reality that we see the world very differently and that you think it's wrong that I kill gophers because they're God's creatures and they haven't done anything to you except for mess up your grass. And you might even want to find chapter and verse to prove to me that I'm evil for killing gophers. And that's okay too. Because here's why. You ready? We don't have to be uniformed to have unity. We don't have to be identical to experience God's ideal plan for our lives. We don't have to agree on something that in the grand scheme of the world, and I know even by saying this, it's slightly offensive. In the grand scheme of the problems in this world, gophers seem pretty small, don't they? You with me? Right? And again, like maybe you're an animal lover and you think that this is something that you need to deal with and this is something you feel God's called you to take to task people who are cruel to animals and that's, that's okay too. Here's the deal, you ready? Not everyone is going to understand why you feel the way you feel and why you believe the things that you believe. They don't understand it because it's not part of their history and their story, so they probably may never get it, and that's actually okay. You might be super happy with our president, or you might be super sad with our president. And guess what? I'm gonna tell you right now, there are people in this room who would like to take away your guns. And they go to church here and they love Jesus. And there are people in this room who will go home promptly after this service and clean their guns. (laughs) There are people in this room, like it or not, and they love Jesus with every fiber of their being, but they would like to see a, a stronger border security and for them that includes a wall. And there are people in this room that believe that that is the most not Christ-like thing that's ever come out of the mouth of someone. And I'm gonna tell you something, both of you are right. Listen to me. The bottom line is you're not going to get everyone to agree on everything all the time. And it's okay that we see the world differently because we have something in common that unites us together. So you can choose to let things big in your mind or small, 
keep you from accomplishing the dreams God has in store for you because the devil can distract you with the arguing and the fighting or you can choose, you can choose to be offended and then move past it in Jesus' name. It's okay that you're offended. It's not okay for you to live in that offense. God wants more for you than that. So let's talk about it. How am I gonna deal with the offense, big or small, that are causing me to stay stuck in this moment? How do I deal with the stuff? First thing you need to realize is that the, the nature of offense is going to get more and more and more. Um, it's going to become more and more prevalent that people feel offended, that they are offended. Um, here's why it's a sign of the times. Grab your Bibles. Let's go. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Look at what it says in the New King James Version. It says, and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. I'm going to read it to you from the NIV now. But I'm going to back up to verse four. This is Jesus, and he's talking with his disciples and some of the other people that are standing there listening to him about what the end of the world, the signs of the times, the coming of the end of life, as we know it, humanity will look like. Listen to what he says. Jesus answers, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming to be the Messiah and deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be families, famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of the birth pains. In other words, before the Messiah can be delivered, the earth will actually groan and cry out with these symptoms so that we know that the end is near. Now remember, this was some 2,000 years ago that this was recorded right? And people are like, well, what's going on? Remember, Jesus Christ, the been around since before time began, Jesus Christ, when he says that the end is near, like a millennia, 2,000 years isn't a lot in a millennia. For us who have 80-ish years on the planet, 2,000 years seems like forever. We can't even fathom what life would be like in 2,000 years. I told you last week, I was tripping out as my daughter and I were standing in the living room talking, and that in 2030, I'll be 53, about to turn 54. I didn't think 2030 was ever going to come. 53 isn't that old. No amens? Yeah, right? Come on, not that old, right? And, but when you say that out loud as a child from the 80s and the 90s, 2030, that's crazy talk, right? So in the same sense, Jesus is saying, look, the world is going to get progressively worse and worse, like childbirth pains come and they get worse and worse. The contractions get harder and harder until the baby actually comes. And then for a moment, now I'm not a woman, so I don't understand this completely, but I've been there when my children were born. But for a moment, all of that pain goes away when the baby is handed to you. And then you, most women choose to do it again. <laughs> this is why God had women carry the babies. If men carried babies, we would have one baby and then we would look at you and say, we're never having sex again. Right? That's how it would work. We're like, uh-uh, not worth it. Right? But God designed you differently. And so when he says the Messiah will come, this revelation, this birth of the Savior will change everything. When he comes again, when the blessed hope, when the joy of God returns again, this is what it's going to look like. And he says, and then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. 
Doesn't sound like a celebration, does it? You'll be hated by all the nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. That's verse 10. And many will be offended. I liked the use of the word offended in juxtaposition to the word betrayed. The reason that offense is so great in our lives is because when we're offended, it's because we first felt betrayed by someone. When you find out that somebody voted for somebody you would never vote for, you all of a sudden put them on another side, another team, don't you? When you find out that somebody did something that you think is wrong, now all of a sudden we don't have as much in common as I thought, so you must be my enemy because we see the world differently. And if you're not careful, making everyone that doesn't agree with you exactly turns them into your enemy. The truth of the matter is, is that this is going to be increasingly difficult as time progresses. People say, oh, the world seems to be spinning faster in 2019. It seems to be more chaotic. There seems to be more problems, more trouble. Yes, there is. It's a sign of the times, right? So when it comes to offense, you have to realize it's just part of history. It's part of reality, and it's bound to happen. My grandmother used to say it like this. Eric, I know you're really mad right now, but you can get glad in the same pants you got mad in. Right? In other words, suck it up, buttercup. Right? Learn how to figure out how to deal with it. Now, that's a harsh way to say it, and I know we don't really raise our kids that way in 2019, but there is some reality to that. If you let, when someone says something that you don't agree with, offend you to the place where it polarizes you and keeps you trapped. If someone calls you a racial slur and you let that, you start to identify with that racial slur because you've been called that. If somebody calls you stupid, if somebody calls you, oh, you're from that neighborhood. That happens to us sometimes, right? People say, where do you live? You say San Diego. Yeah, but where in San Diego? East County. And they go, mmm. <laughs> right? And then what, what do you do with that? You have a choice to make, right? After a while, people say, where do you live? You say, East County, son, right? And they're like, don't stab me, right? <laughs> There's something about just being able to move past the past. He says to his disciples, right? Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Right? He says, it's impossible that no, one, no offenses should come. Now, if you keep reading, he says, you're going to offend people. It's going to happen. But try not to be the one who's offending people. People are going to get offended no matter what you say, no matter what you do. So you have a responsibility to be better than that. That's why this message isn't about you having permission to offend people with what you say what you do, how you behave. We actually have a responsibility as Christ followers to care about other people and to know how not to be so offensive. For me, when I read scripture, when I live my life, the easiest way for me to learn how to be more empathetic, and it doesn't come natural for me to be empathetic if you haven't figured that out already yet, The way that I bolster or develop my empathy muscle is by learning to not be as sensitive myself. So it gives me the opportunity to figure out what you might be feeling if I'm not always being offended. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus is saying, look, 
you're going to say things, you're going to do things, and people are going to be offended by it because they don't understand. And they may never understand. That's okay. So try to not offend people. Try to use the gospel for what it's meant to be used for. What's that word gospel mean? Anybody remember? Good news. Do you know what happens? Because people say all the time, well, the gospel is meant to offend. Well, then why didn't he call it bad news? If you're offending people with God's love, you're telling the story wrong. What you're talking, you're not talking about God's love, you're talking about rules. You're talking about religion. You're talking about requirements. Now those come, but those come after what? Love. Do you know where love comes from? Relationship. And so you shouldn't be expressing all of the opinions that you're expressing on social media and in mixed company as much as you are if you don't have a relationship with the people that gives you the right to express those feelings and emotions. Well, this is America. I can say whatever I want. You're right. You can. But before you're an American, you're a Christ follower. And Jesus says to do your best, Luke chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, Offenses are going to come, but do your best not to be the one who's doing the offending. Be careful. How do I deal with offense? Well, it's a sign of the times. They're bound to happen. It helps if I can identify the source of why I'm actually offended. Are you really offended because I killed a gopher? Are you offended because you have something else in your life that triggered that emotion? Are you really offended because I voted for that candidate? Or are you offended because something else in your life makes you feel frustrated when you hear that candidate speak? Are you really offended by the clothes I wear, the food I eat, the way I live my life? Or is there something else that's from our past, from our history, that's Shaping. Is there an offense from a long time ago that changes the way you view everyone else? Some of the offenses that we experience and some of the sources are obviously betrayal and rejection, false accusations, neglect, abuse, humiliation. These aren't, these aren't simple things. These are big deals. These are big deals. So if you've, been, if you've been a party to neglect and abuse, there's going to be things that frustrate you and hurt you easier than someone who hasn't had to deal with neglect and abuse in their life. And the reality is, is if you're female, then neglect and abuse is probably a normal part of your existence in 2019. The percentage of females that haven't had to deal with that, uh, it's small. It's like 2% of the women in the United States have not had to deal with some sort of physical or sexual abuse issues. Did you hear that? that 98% of women in whether it's extreme or mild have been dealing with physical or sexual abuse issues their whole existence. So I'm saying it's okay that you're offended by someone's what they think is innocent hug and you think it's too much. It's okay that you're offended. But you can't let that offense keep you trapped and never ever get to hug anybody ever again. Because that's what will happen. Again, I'm speaking a little out of turn because I'm not living in it. 
I don't understand it. I may never understand it. But I know this. I know this for sure. I know what neglect and abuse feels like. I know what it feels like to be accused of something falsely. I know what rejection and betrayal feels like and I know what humiliation feels like. And I can take you, if we had the time and you were my therapist, I could take you to every single one of those words and I could take you to a place and a space in my life where it affected me greatly and deeply, all of them. But I also know someone else who's experienced all of these as well. His name is Jesus. And so while you may never completely understand my story, he does. And I promise you that I will never have the ability to completely grasp your story, he does. The author of the book of Hebrews says it like this, we don't have a high priest who doesn't understand us. We don't have a leader that goes to God on our behalf that doesn't get us. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as the high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about betrayal, rejection, false accusations, neglect, abuse, humiliation. Jesus experienced them all in their highest forms. And he was completely innocent. And so when you say Jesus understands the source of your offense, it's a true statement. He understood all the pain, all the testing, and he would be able to help where it was needed. Why? Because he gets it. I may never get it, but he does. You may never get it, but he does. I'm gonna tell you something though. If you let the pain from your past, the offense from yesterday shape tomorrow, it's going to feel like Groundhog's Day. It's going to feel like I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I might have a few moments where I get ahead, but then I get stuck again. And as your pastor, as your friend, I want you to be able to move past some of that stuff because I do believe that God has something majorly powerfully and dynamically in store for you, for us. So ask yourself the question. Yes, it was a 90s bracelet that you could buy at the Bible bookstore, but probably one of the most powerful questions ever posed in, to, in Christianity. What would Jesus do? Peter says it like this. Well, Strengthen yourself the same way of thinking that Christ had. Jesus suffered. Jesus was abused. Jesus was taken advantage of. Jesus was misjudged. And yet, on the cross, when he was feeling all of those feelings at once and then even felt worse feelings that we will never understand, do you know what it must have felt like to have the heavenly Father not be able to watch his son's pain. The scripture teaches that the father turned his back because he couldn't watch. For one time in Jesus' entire existence, he couldn't feel the connection to his father. And not his earthly father, the great creator of heaven and earth. And what does he respond to the people who are abusing him, accusing him? Forgive them. They don't get it. They don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. 
Let me put it to you like this. I said earlier that if you're not careful, those small offenses in your life will turn into a fence around your life. I'm not saying that because I've figured out the secret to not having any boundaries or blockage in my life. And being really honest with you, there are still large portions in my life that the fence is still standing and it's blocking me from God's plans and purposes for my life. But I am making this commitment to you that I'm working really hard to tear down those fence boards one at a time. But at the same time, if I'm being fully honest, sometimes in your effort to love me, you offend me. And I have to take a fence board and to protect myself, I put it back up. And I thought I wouldn't have to put that board back up again ever, but sometimes I do. And then sometimes it stays for a day or a week or a year or a decade. The goal would be to knock down more fence boards than you put back up. It's not a race. No one's comparing fences. And if you are, you're getting it wrong. It's just, let's make a goal to tear down more fence boards than we put back up. To not let offenses keep piling up in our lives to shut us off from the people God's entrusted to us. Jesus looked at them and said, Father, forgive them. It's bound to happen. Jesus understands that he experienced it so much so that he left the splendor of heaven, clothed himself clothed himself in humanity and the most vulnerable form of humanity, a baby. And then think of the family he chose to come to be a part of. He chose to come to be a part of a family where the two young men, the the young man and the young woman, they weren't married yet. And they were a part of a poor community and an oppressed people whose ethnicity wasn't the dominant ethnicity of the day. Why did he choose all of that? Why wouldn't he have chose to be born into the home of an emperor, a pharaoh, a king? Because he knew that we would need him to understand everything that we feel, that we go through. And so he took the weakest, the most vulnerable, the most undesirable. Where was he born? In a stable, right? It most likely a cave that the the animals were crowded into. In the muck and the mire and the stink and the noise of a barnyard, the savior of the universe was born, why? So that we could look at him and go, wow, if he can do it, I have something to model my life after. Come on, there's something about it. What would he do? Well, he'd forgive them. He'd move past the brokenness of his past. And before you say, yeah, but you don't know what they did, if I may, submit for your approval. Last time I checked, I needed forgiveness. I don't know about you, maybe you got it all dialed and your life is so perfect now and you don't, right? Last time I checked, scripture had it right when it said that all have sinned and fall short. I want you to imagine a dartboard, right? A target with an archer shooting an arrow, one of the two, you ready? And the first time you threw that dart, did you hit the bullseye? No. Did you even hit the dartboard? No. You shot that arrow for the first time and the arrow landed in front of the target. 
Why? Well, because it doesn't come natural for us to hit the bullseye. It requires practice and work. Brokenness and sin and offenses and hurts and hangups, right? They make it hard. They cloud our vision. We can't hit the target. That's okay as long as we commit to moving past them. But you received forgiveness from God freely. Your freedom, your forgiveness, did it cost you anything? Your obedience. It didn't cost you anything. And yet we want them to pay, don't we? When someone hurts us, we were forgiven freely for our transgressions, for our sins, for missing the mark, for not being good enough, for sometimes the blatant disrespect, right? I know for sure that, you know, like there's books and topics and people discuss this all the time, whether nurture or nature is how you become who you are. I think it's probably equal to both. I'm watching, I watch my kids do it, but I'm watching my grandson again do it now. And some of the stuff that he does just cracks me up because he's just watching us and mimicking us. I watched him as he walked through the sanctuary on Friday night. And as he walked through the building, he walked like his uncle Elijah. Right? And then he had a gibberish conversation with whoever was walking next to him because all of the leaders in his life, all the parents, all the people that take care of him, we work here and serve here all the time. And so what do we do when we walk around the building? We talk about what needs to get done and what needs to happen and we're always having these standing meetings as we walk around. And so as he walks around the church acting like his, un- his uncle, he says, and he points at stuff. Do you know why? Because that's what me and Pastor Travis do all the time. We need to fix that. You need to call that person. Hey, do you want me to stack those chairs or are you going to? Ah, you stack them. (laughs) Right? And then the funniest thing happened. You ready? He walked into the sanctuary and he beelined for the sound booth. And he stepped up into the sound booth and he walked into the sound booth and he paced back and forth in the sound booth and then he climbed out of the sound booth. Because everybody knows... If you're important, when you get into the sanctuary, you walk into the sound booth first. He watches us and he copies us, right? But also, there's a sin nature that we're all born into. Last night at dinner, he took his hydro flask, yes, he's that privileged, and he dropped it on the tile in the kitchen from his high chair. I picked it up and I said, don't do that. And I set it back on his high chair. He took his hydroflask, he looked me dead in the eye and dropped it again. (laughs) Then he laughed at me. (laughs) He didn't watch anybody do that. Sin enters into us at a very young age, defiance and brokenness. I didn't lock him outside. I forgave him. I talked with him about it. Yo, he doesn't understand. Oh, he's gonna understand. (laughs) My point is, we all need forgiveness. And some of the stuff that we need forgiveness for snuck into our lives because of sin. 
and some of it we learned by watching others. Some of the racism and bigotry that accidentally became a part of your life is not your fault, but it doesn't change the fact that it's there. Some of the words that you speak when you talk about other cultures, other people, and whether that's where they come from, where they live, or just other people by who they voted for. You, you learned those things and some of them you absorbed. The truth of the matter is, is that you receive free forgiveness from God every day. You need to have some forgiveness for others. And so before you're so quickly offended, remember, you have the ability to choose forgiveness. First John chapter four, 19 and 21 says it like this. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God yet hates his brother, he's a what? You've heard me say this before. The great commission, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and surely I'll be with you to the end of the age, and the great commandment. And when you take those and you sum them all up, they can be summed up into really simple phrase. Love God, love others. You can, you can love others and never know God. It can be done. People are compassionate and kind and they do things. It's in our nature. God put it inside of us when he made us. Even though you haven't found God, you don't know God, you can express love to your children, to your people. To, you can see someone who's suffering and care for them and want to change their lives without having a relationship with God. But if you don't love people according to 1 John, do you know God? Now we love to take passages like this and parse the words in them, don't we? Well, it says brother, so who's my brother? Well, last time I checked, we all came from Adam and Eve, so I suppose you all are. Regardless of the color of your skin or who you voted for or the words that you speak or the amount of money that's in your bank account or which branch of the armed forces that you're in or how you didn't go to college or you did go to college. Male, female, young, old, rich, poor, slave free. Voted for Trump, hate Trump. Love Obama, blame him for everything. Guess what? We're brothers and sisters in Christ, are we not? And so you can be offended and it can stop you from accomplishing the dreams he has for you. Or you can be offended and then choose forgiveness to move past it. The choice is yours. And so if you're going to love like you've never been hurt, what moving past your offenses in the past gives you the ability to do is focus the blame where it really belongs. Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. Your issue isn't with a person. Your issue is with the evil that lives in this world. Now I know pastors who like to take this passage and 
honestly, lovingly, let me say it, they like to take this part of the passage against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and they like to talk about presidents and governors and governmental systems right there, but that is not what is being talked about in Ephesians chapter six. What it's talking about is Satan, the prince and power of the air we breathe, the one who has temporary control of the planet, the reason that evil wins in the short term and good will ultimately win in the long term. Your issue isn't with someone who sees the world differently from you. Your issue is learning how to love the person who sees the world differently than you. And the only way you can do that is reject Satan's his, his temptation to get stuck in a fence and to accept love and forgiveness freely and then freely give it. It's a journey. We're not gonna get it right in three weekends, I promise you. We are gonna start practicing it together. We're gonna start kicking down fence boards. And hopefully, I mean, I don't know, maybe we should just have a bonfire with some of those fence boards so we can't put them back up. What would it look like for you and I to turn our back on the past and start heading to the plans and purposes he has for us in the future? Next week, we're gonna talk about this idea of forgiveness. Loving like you've never been hurt requires you to forgive like you've never forgiven before. The prophet Isaiah in ancient times prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, he says, hey, let's settle this. This is what the Lord says. Yes, you have sins, you have offended God, but, right, I'll make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. If you only obey me. Come on. What, what is it? Remember what Jesus sums up the law and the prophets? If you want to obey God and you want to hold true and you can do everything that the law said, Leviticus, Moses, all the prophets, he says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor, your brother, your sister, your community, your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Southern California, the United States of America, Turkey, Syria, you name it, as yourself. If you want your offenses to be washed away, you have to choose love over offense. You have to walk in forgiveness instead of hurt. If you want to move past your past, you have to invite God to help you love like you've never been hurt. Do me a favor, stand where you're at. I asked Aaron in Montana to come and lead us in this one last song, and then we're going to do this. After we sing this song, some of my friends will be up here in the front to pray with you if you need prayer. Um, if you are thinking about going and getting one of those donuts before you leave, I want to encourage you to do that and go have a conversation and you saw somebody across the room that you haven't seen in a couple of weeks and you want to ask them about their grandkid or about their construction project or their kitchen remodel, I want you to do that. If you haven't got your Hope City shirt, they're out on the porch, I want you to do that. But I want you to do that out there because we're going to leave this place just for a moment, a place where God's presence can be felt by those who need prayer. So on both sides of the room, there'll be a few people if you need prayer, if you, you've got something, some offense, you need to talk to somebody. These are some people that I trust greatly. I, I believe in their ability to walk alongside of you and help you with it. But let's do this. 
Let's close with this statement and then we'll sing this song. Say it after me. Say, I'm offended, but I'm going to get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this together.